A deep bite into history. My name is Arash Kakpour. My name is Diego Romero. And thank you for joining us today. Today we have a very special guest who we'll yes. introduce in, in a few minutes. Yes, thank you very much uh, for coming back to us for episode four. Episode four, actually, Arash. Oh, shit. Diego, do you want to hear an interesting fact? Yes. We, on this previous episode, reached five billion viewers. That means we only have two billion You've people. You've got not to be kidding me, Diego. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All around the world. <laughs> We've only got two million we're, more to reach. Yeah, we were transforming the world of podcasts <laughs> and time machines. You can say that again. And you can say that again. Well, that's exciting. It's very exciting. So tell me, Diego, what's what's one exciting thing that's on your mind right now? On my mind. And don't get all existential on me. Do I have to go first? <laughs> Well, since you're the only one answering, you can go last if you want. It doesn't make much of a difference. Oh, yeah. So our our guest today is, uh, or this, for this episode, is... It's Judith Marcuse. Judith Marcuse. Judith Marcuse. And it was nice. I felt like um, the thing that excited me about this, this episode and this past little while was that to actually get to meet Judith and talk to her and... Uh, what was nice that this week I was actually rehearsing in the Mar- Marcuse studio at the dance center at the dance center uh, which was interesting is. which is named after Judith uh, it's called the Mar- Marcuse studio and it was nice to you know go, go talk to Judith mm-hmm. and then come and have a you know kind of a round experience of going experiencing in the studio that was called after mm-hmm. and I thought that, that was a nice little uh, realization for me mm-hmm. it was a very oh. very informative talk which I hope does something for anybody listening yeah and uh, other than that, uh, remember to find that two million people. If you see them on the street, you feel like they might not have subscribed to How About a Time Machine for some reason. You just walk up to them and you go, hey, how about a time machine? <laughs> and they'll go, wow. Wow, I, ne- I never thought of it. <laughs> and they will right away get onto their lovely iPhones or any other Android phone and just search How About a Time Machine on the on the podcast app and it will pop right up so that's iTunes or Podcast Republic or anywhere else that you like to stream yes Mm -hmm. and um, other than that I think Diego you were going to read something to us today weren't you yeah sure Uh, there is a a quote from Barbara Touchman Mm -hmm. the historian um, that uh, lived from 1912 to 1963. And she says, The unrecorded past is none other than our old friend, the tree in the primeval forest, which fell without being heard. Thank you very much. Um, So I just thought we'd, since... We're here. We'd recommend some because we listen to a lot of podcasts and we read books and read movies. Is there anything that you'd like to give our audience? I, I mean, try to read movies, but it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's called subtitles, do you know? <laughs> Just a black screen with subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm trying to learn French. Actually, it's That's not working. It's not working very well. <laughs> I don't try because I know I'm not smart enough to read <laughs> learn French. I didn't do it. Um, I I the last week 
I've been listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. Uh, uh, what's called Blueprint Blueprints for Armageddon is the string of podcasts I was listening to inside of that podcast. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's about World War One, and it's it's very very good. He's a he's a really inspiring speaker, and um, I learned a lot. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And then if you'd like some. Um uh, very, uh, one very exciting podcast this um, past couple of days I saw was uh, uh, it's called it's just an episode that's called Being Good and Doing Good uh, a conversation uh, with what's his name that's Sam Harris. William your boyfriend yeah <laughs> William McCaskill and uh, he's a philosopher and uh, just among many other things that he does and he works with charities and and uh, it was just inspiring to listen to um, it's a podcast called Waking Up with Sam Harris I definitely recommend that uh, episode it's called Being Good and Doing Good and it talks about what it means to be pr- privileged in a North American life and, and uh, how you can give more and he has a book I think called that too also very exciting at the end of September, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Paul Bloom, who's a uh, one of I think our joined favorite working psychologists, is coming out with a new book. I think called The Perils of Empathy. So that, that's exciting. Something to look out for. Mm-hmm. We we'll have to remind them later because it's mm-hmm. coming out September, uh, at the end of September. Back to the subject. Yes. Dance. Wait, that's the subject. <laughs> that's the subject. That okay? All right, all right. Also, next time maybe we shouldn't point out only male podcasts and authors. <laughs> I know. I just realized we did that. I know. So uh, apologies for that. That's uh, hey, you know what? Because that's what our last hey, week you know has what? been filled with. I have actively been trying to look for a podcast that's uh, only the uh, females uh, that 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 is produced and maintained by females, and I found one. To a friend of a friend, and it was. Um, I will introduce that next one. It's just oh, next, time, next, time, next, time, one, next one. So maybe we just did a bunch of male authors and producers. Next time, we'll do only female authors and yeah. producers. Okay, cool. Um, so, but back to the subject. This is a dance history podcast, <laughs> it, it, or at least we say it is. Um, yep. We recorded this interview with Judith last week. Um, we hope you enjoy it. Yes, enjoy this episode with. Is that all we have to say? Yeah. I thought we had more. <laughs> Enjoy this episode with Judith Marcuse. Judith Marcuse. Hello, Judith. Hello, you guys. <laughs> Welcome to How About a Time Machine. How are you today? I'm happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Um, thank, thank you for fitting us in your very uh, busy schedule, and uh, we really appreciate it. Sure, it's um, what Monday afternoon. We're sitting at Harbor Front, the yes. SFU Center. Um, yeah. Should we get started? Yes, sure, sounds good. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just mm-hmm. get telling us a little bit about what it is that you do. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a choreographer, producer, director. I write. Um, I teach. I'm doing research right now. I do consultation. Um, and I do a fair amount of speaking in public situations. I guess that sort of covers it. Um, so lots of different things. At the moment, I'm involved uh, with academic research, uh, which is a relatively new thing for me just over the last uh, 10 years. Nice, thank you. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a, bit, a little bit about um, where choreography started for you. Uh, yeah. 
in my living room. In your living room, nice. <laughs> When I was about three years old, my mother is a dance accompanist. She passed away in May, the age of 97, and was still playing um, for Ballet BC until mm. she was their, their favorite uh, pianist um, and came in on special occasions. Uh, and we had a grand piano in the house, mm -hmm. and uh, I danced in the living room to my mom's playing, and there was lots of music in the house, uh, both classical music and jazz and uh, folk music, so there was always lots of music, and I would, mm. I'm not aware of a time where I didn't dance, and of course, mm. when you're that age, you're choreographing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the earliest things I remember, and I don't, I had a broom, a broom, and I was being a milkmaid with, I did, yeah, I'd seen an illustration on a Mozart album cover of, you know, a rural... Uh, you know, perfect uh, landscape with, mm -hmm. with, you know, cows and, and milkmaids. And I remember doing a dance with this broom across my shoulders, imagining that there were milk pails hanging off it. Um, and I started dancing when I was with uh, uh, my aunt, who was my first teacher, uh, around the age of four. Mm -hmm. And a great portion of every class, the last third at least of the class, was making up dances wow. collectively. So she would suggest a theme, and then we would go off and imagine what was important about the theme to us and make up a dance and then go to the accompanist and ask for <laughs> the right music. And then, so, um, yeah, I think it's just in my bones. And then the the transitioning of that into the um, choreographer, uh, being a choreographer, was it, uh, did you feel like that was after being a dancer, or was it during you were you were always thinking about choreography itself or being a choreographer? I'd been a dancer for a while before I started, you know, formally choreographing, mm -hmm. uh, and had worked with a huge number of choreographers in the various companies that I was with here in Canada and, and uh, in Europe and the States. Mm -hmm. um, and I just couldn't resist anymore. So the first piece I ever did, you know, sort of formal piece I ever did was uh, a bumblebee dance for Arab television in no way. in Israel. Yeah. Well, I think it's on the TV. No, I don't list it in my CV. <laughs> yeah. I don't think but, it's there. But then the, the, it was an Israeli company, I think, uh, you danced with or was that Yeah, it? I yeah. danced with them for a couple of years. Yeah. Nice. Which yeah. company was it? Uh, it was called Bat Door. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there were two companies. There was Bat Door and Bat Sheva. Ah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Long, lots of stories there, but we won't go into them. We did, we did great tours, uh, I have to say, um, and worked with really good choreographers who were paid well to come over and uh, work with the company. Did European and uh, did a huge Asian tour while I was at the company, which was great um, with that company. Um, but I started uh, choreographing formally there and then... Let's see. I'm so bad with my own history. Um, <laughs> it was a large one. Uh, let's see. I I did a piece for Oakland Ballet. Uh, several years later, which was an anti-war piece, uh, which I never saw because I went 
went uh, to uh, London to work with Ron Bear. And at Ron Bear, I started choreographing uh, for the company. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of pieces there. And I was offered a piece a year with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that I really wanted to do more than that at that point. Right. So came back to Canada and mm-hmm. opened shop. And that's when your company started? No, the company, I was anti-company. Oh, I, I didn't want to have the responsibility of mama and therapist mm-hmm. and admin mm-hmm. and all that. So the company was uh, a number of years later um, when it became clear that um, I had a vision for the company and I had the energy and the help of my husband Mm -hmm. to set it up. So we worked together for about seven years, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had the company for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah which toured all over the place and we did very early residencies before it was like a thing to do Mm -hmm. a lot of work with young people for young people and it was a rep company so people like Larlevich and Christopher House and Mark Mm -hmm. Morris and all kinds of people came and worked Mm -hmm. with us when you said seven years you were working together, you meant... Uh, who, who With you? my husband. With your husband. Yeah. And that was the beginning of your... Uh, of the company. Of the company. Yeah. Um, yeah, so right from that early period up until now, I've been choreographing. Good. Wow. Yeah. And that was 1980-ish that uh, your company started? The company, yeah, I think the company... Uh, I'll have to look at my yeah. CV. I, I really yeah. don't remember. I think it was it, it was early '80s or maybe mm-hmm. very late '70s. And I think it was the early '80s. '80, mm-hmm. 80 Actually, I can tell you because our daughter was born six months after '84. It was '84. Mm-hmm. And what what was the choice to come back to Canada um, instead of go say go somewhere else and start choreographing? Well. I always felt Canadian. I I had lived for so many years in Europe. I was nine and a half years in London. I was, you know, and and, uh, worked in Geneva and worked in in Tel Aviv and had toured a lot uh, in Europe with those companies. And I just kind of felt, I I always, I never lost my Canadian identity. And I also felt that there was room to move here. Um, the scenes over there were really active. There was lots of really great work going on in that period. Uh, and I just, just wanted not to be... Uh, uh, to be less crowded, mm-hmm. you know, to be in a more open landscape. Mm-hmm. And because my husband um, wanted to be on the West Coast, because mm-hmm. he was a West Coast guy... Mm-hmm. I grew up in uh, in California, and uh, he, he was born here, and lived in Mexico and various other places. And I wanted to be in Canada. Mm-hmm. Here we are, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, oh, yeah. and here we stay. So, but and for many years, I sort of didn't. I was away a lot. Right. I, uh, mm-hmm. My work took me away and about half the year. And your interest in choreography, would you say, is the thing that propelled you to come back here? Or yes. So, say if you. Uh, felt a stronger inclination to be a dancer or to stay specifically as a dancer? Do you think you would have made the same choice or stayed in your I, That's a good question. I don't know. I think I was very happy at Rombert. Rombert 
still is a great company. I don't know if you guys have seen really the work. Know. Yeah, phenomenal dancers. Mm -hmm. I just saw them recently in London. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure if I would have stayed with Rombear or whether I would have come home mm -hmm. had I not been wanting to do more choreographic work. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard, mm -hmm. hard to back think that. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, maybe you want to go ahead? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to speak too much. <laughs> um, I guess I'm wondering how um, your practice has changed uh, over time, maybe since, since uh, you started uh, doing choreography. So, referring directly to the choreographic um, process? Yeah, choreography, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, I think my basic methodology hasn't changed all that much. Mm -hmm. it's, maybe it's a little more sophisticated. And I think as you get older, you have more trust in process. Uh, I always do a huge amount of prep, huge amount. I have a um, whole series of notebooks that I keep in it. Anything seems relevant for some reason, an image, an idea, a phrase, a piece of music, um, something I hear someone say on the street, it goes into the notebook. Mm -hmm. And that when I feel like I really need to let it out to form it, it's when I go back into the notes mm -hmm. and start thinking about first steps. Um, I'm a problem solver as a choreographer. Mm. Um, I haven't used uh, improvisatory techniques that much with dancers. Um, always, obviously, when you're working with, with dancers, it's part of the process, but I, I'm not someone who... Uh, I'm sort of in the middle of the scale. You know, I don't come in with things done. I have no movement. Mm -hmm. planned. I don't do movement phrases or I don't develop a vocabulary before I'm in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, uh, nor do I go in cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm somewhere in the middle there. Mm -hmm. um, I trust dancers. Mm -hmm. If it feels right after people have worked at it, when you're past the sketching stage, mm -hmm. then I trust that it might be okay, <laughs> that it might work. Um, you know, as a dancer who worked with so many, so many choreographers and many choreographers, I've seen all these different ways that people work. Oh. And uh, as a dancer, I always felt most at home with choreographers who trusted me. Mm. And um, that's what I with dancers. Mm -hmm. I love dancers. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> um, at the same time, um, I think as you get older, I'll be 70 this year, um, what we call cops in the head, you know, your self-editing mm -hmm. becomes more and more acute mm -hmm. and it's harder and harder to uh, like your own work, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas at the beginning, I think as a choreographer, my own experience was that it was like diarrhea. <laughs> you know, I just had <laughs> all this stuff in me and it just came blatting out. Mm -hmm. And that lasted for a number of years. And what's happened over the 
over over the decades is that um, I've developed a lot of craft just from practice, mm-hmm. um, but I'm less patient with myself mm-hmm. and much more uh, less likely to fall in love with what I do, mm-hmm. which is a real trap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have that self-critical eye without denigrating everything that you do, although I know in our processes we always get to the point where we think the whole thing is shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's normal. But again, if you've been through it so many times, you recognize that this is just normal and, you know, you'll you'll, you'll pass through it. And also just the notion of success, success in quote marks, is not important to me now as a choreographer. Mm. I'm just Mm. more interested in exploration and doing work that has value. And then do you fall in love with it again? You know, it's been very interesting doing this archiving work, this archiving project, because I've been looking back on the work that um, that I've done over over all these years, um, and I like some of it still. Mm-hmm. I think some of it holds mm-hmm. up. I can see naivete and other other things that are a function of being new at something in 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 the early work mm-hmm. but i was kind of surprised that wasn't you know the work mm-hmm. the work is not I'm not embarrassed by it mm-hmm. let's put it that way mm-hmm. it's like a reflection on it like yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i did a lot of solo work as well i toured the country with a um a, a partner um, and that was all our all my own choreography. So I'm also used to doing work on my own body. Mm-hmm. But as I get older, I'm less able to do that. I was a pretty um, what's the word? Uh, I was a very physical dancer, mm-hmm. uh, and I and the work came out of my body. Now it doesn't do that quite quite so much although the impulses are still there I have to abstract those impulses and communicate them to dancers I was in the studio two weeks ago with uh, three dancers for six days mm-hmm. f- for our afternoons and you know there was a sea change since the last time I had been in the studio mm-hmm. I'm not in bad shape but you know I, ca- I can't uh, I can't jump anymore mm-hmm. for example so at uh, through time you know you just change how you Communicate or develop mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. So, is that making sense? Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the archive, uh, the archive project, because I think we talked about it off the record. Uh, yeah. Um, well, we're in the middle of an archiving project, uh, taking about 500 videotapes and films and digitizing them. It's almost done, and uh, now we're moving into the hard copy stuff, the, the photos and. Um, slides and many many articles and you can imagine the number of views over all these years. And all from your work. All, of all from my work mm-hmm. uh, or the work of the company because you know we were a rep company so there were other people oh, yeah. coming in all the time um, and everything will be housed in special collections at Simon Fraser mm-hmm. University and uh, the video and everything else uh, digitized will be online and available awesome. so people can view it. Yeah, that'd so. be really nice because actually I was wondering, I was like, oh yeah, it's 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 not, it's, you can't really find it, especially the um, the work, you know, probably past 10 years ago, you can't really find much. 
you know, no. because it wasn't that easy and that available no, and I that mean, cheap. So. I started videotaping in the early 70s with these gigantic yeah. cameras, right? Um, <laughs> and, and we have all of that. I, I was very careful about documentation right from the beginning. Oh, yes, uh, so we have stuff that's... I have reel-to-reel videotape <laughs> on PAL no. from London, you know, from 19... Yeah. I don't know, 1908. Not that far back, but... Um, yeah, I have every format you can possibly think of from nice. beta to, mm. you know, uh, to half-inch broadcast to three-quarter inch broadcast to PAL to in <laughs> TSC and uh, CCAM, you know, from work in Singapore or, you know. Yeah, that's because so, now, yeah. now we can enjoy that uh, as, the, as the next generation. Well, I think it's really, really important really that fun, people yeah. um, know what's come before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying when before we started recording that I used to spend a lot of time in the uh, archives at the Lincoln Center Dance Library. Yeah, you know, looking at all the really early work, and uh, it, it's about dance literacy. It's about knowing, like, not reinventing the wheel, but knowing that you're building on things that have come before you. And there's been such wonderful work in the past. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, it's too bad that people don't have, you know, really easy access mm-hmm. to that stuff because not only is it, you know, educational in the sense of becoming literate, um, arts literate, but um, it's just great work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think. And we have no national archives in Canada. <laughs> for dance in specific or for the arts? For the arts. Their dance archives, uh, dance, uh, dance collection, dance has an archive in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they've got a backup list now of about ten years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Vincent Warren has been running an archive in Montreal mm-hmm. at the uh, in the building of uh, Les Caramels Canadiens mm-hmm. there. Um, the Royal Winnipeg has archives that it's just organizing now. Um, and Jean-Pierre Perrault has done his, his archive is in place. But, uh, no, we have no national arts archive. It's shocking. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah, it is. And you learn as much from theater archives and visual arts archives mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, other art forms than, as you do from looking at dance. So, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a gap. So, when is your archive going to be up? <sighs> Good question. <laughs> well, uh, um, I've raised all the money to do this, and it's not cheap. Uh, so we ha- still have some money left in, in the kitty, um, and I'm hoping that we'll have everything online within the next year and a half to two years. So, But they're going to start eking it out um, over the next year. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. For yep. anybody in the future listening, it's 2016. <laughs> <laughs> when they listen to it in 2085. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> then how about a time machine? Then you can just go see the shows. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hologram. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I was also wondering about the festivals that the, the you were... you. Also created a few festivals. I'm just wondering if you. Uh, they sound very exciting, but I couldn't find a lot of detail. I was wondering if you would t- tell us a bit about how they came to be and and about some of them maybe. Yeah, we did uh, six years, six annual Kiss Project festivals, mm-hmm. and the 
the, the hook on that was that um, I commissioned uh, theater and dance artists to work together mm -hmm. to create five-minute pieces, each of which had to contain a kiss. That was mm -hmm. the hook. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of the pieces were more theatrical, some of them were, were purely dance with maybe some text or maybe not. And we did 18 commissions every year and put them together into a program. And then in addition to that, there were uh, workshops and performances. I brought people in from Cuba. I brought uh, people up from the States. Um, Just for that five-minute piece? No, no, no. That was in addition in to addition that to one program that contained those 18 short right. pieces. Um, we did some very early sort of workshops open for the public in all kinds of, you know, everything from Irish dance to, uh, uh, to uh, oh, I can't name a dance. <laughs> Ukrainian. Dance. Yeah, Ukrainian. No, we didn't, actually, we didn't. But we did present, <laughs> we presented at, you know, organ, uh, uh, non-Western music and dance, mm -hmm. which hadn't had much exposure in the city mm -hmm. in that context, uh, uh, like Ache Brazil, I don't know if you know those folks. They're I think I've think heard of them. Capoeira yeah. folks yes. who did their first show with us, and there was a, a team from Vietnam who were gorgeous musicians who had just arrived, and we gave them some of their early exposure. So it was a very, in fact, if you look behind you, you'll see some of the programs Oh, this one, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's, oh, there. Wow. So, um, I wish you guys could see public too, lectures the and there's all kinds of documentation. So, you actually, why don't I take a photo if you don't mind? Well, I have a scrapbook of all the KISS projects that I can show you if you like. Yeah. That's just one year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We can read it for sure. It took place over a month, the festivals. And we actually used the first, we set up the, um, the space on Granville Island uh, that's now being used for, for, for performances. Mm -hmm. um, for performance works, we were the first in there cool. and uh, created a dance floor with uh, rubber tires. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's concrete, right? right? Yeah. Right. It was really set up as a wedding um, uh -huh. facility, but we were in there for six years. Wow. And this yeah. was, the festival was always about a month long. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a very big. Yeah, it was so very big. big and we sold out. It was it was really fun. So what else was going on in the city around then? Oh, there's a huge amount of um, dance activity. Um, because that started, you know when that started, the festival? The uh, festival? 1990. 1990, okay. Yeah, I think it was 90, the first one. Here I am again, <laughs> floundering around with dates. I think it was the first one. Is it as the fourth one? But they're, they're all there, I think. All of them are there, I think. Yeah. I have a scrapbook for each year that are... It, maybe it was 80, 85 to 90? Huh. That's very awesome. And that might be Edmund. Is that Edmund? That's Edmund. That's Edmund. No oh, my God. That's awesome. How, how do you know Edmund? Edmund has... my first ballet teacher. You're kidding. No. Well, and Edmund was in our too. company. Here's a story, very nice story. There's a future after dance. Edmund was in the company, in our company, for a number of years. Mm -hmm. I brought him out from the Grand Ballet. Then he went to Ballet BC, mm -hmm. and then he started teaching. Then he took a course that I gave last year here oh, in Art yeah. for Social Change, and he's 
uh, just a lovely guy, he's really and he's nice. now an assistant on our new master's program. No way. Wow, which is the art for social change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. So he's, you know, he's gone from being a dancer to being a, a social activist through the arts. Wow, that's really, and then all the, that's also the trajectory of his career also that's still coming with you as well. That's yeah, beautiful. it's very, it's sort of like, you know, like, <laughs> well, yeah. And, and that brings us back, uh, I guess, to that. Was it another festival that you were doing for so social change or has to do with environmentalism? We did a great big festival here. There are 20,000 people came to the festival uh, a number of years ago as part of uh, something called the Earth Project, mm -hmm. which was a six-year project uh, looking at uh, issues of, of sustainability and social justice. And that built on um, uh, another gathering that we had done uh, a number of years before where we brought people together from uh, 26 countries for a week mm -hmm. of work, people doing art for social change work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the festival brought them back with their work for the public. Mm -hmm. So we were at Great Northern Way. We built an earth village there with, uh, there were tents and there were, well, there was all kinds of stuff. It was very big, very big, huge outdoor stage. Mm -hmm. We had uh, we had an international uh, 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 hip hop concert we had, did all kinds of things mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the culminating or one of the culminating events and we did three five to six year projects with uh, with young people at a certain point I had decided um, that I was really interested in bringing my work into a social activist uh, context mm -hmm. I grew up in a very progressive family and um, I was feeling that doing my own work or presenting the work of other people was certainly in incredibly valuable to our society, mm -hmm. but that I really wanted to uh, do more engaged work. So that started me on a new path, um, which led to about 18 years of work with teenagers. Mm -hmm. So the, what happened was um, I found myself in a high school, uh, in John Oliver High School. Mm -hmm. This is many years ago. Um, we had rented the uh, theater, and we were busing in kids from elementary schools for a program. Mm -hmm. We did an interactive program for kids called We Can Dance, where they come up and make dances on the stage with us, and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and one of those kinds of things. Uh, and I found myself, we did two shows a day, I think for about a week. Mm -hmm. And um, in between, I ate lunch in the, with the teachers, and I wandered the halls. And this was certainly not the high school I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was very odd. And I had a, an about-to-be teenage daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was just really, really curious to know what the language, what the language meant, mm -hmm. what the body language meant, everything else. So that summer, we assembled a group of about uh, 20 people between the ages of 15 and 18 mm -hmm. to do two weekends of workshops, uh, full days, both days, four days. And it was, I worked with David Diamond. Uh, mm -hmm. David is does Boal-based work, Theatre for Living. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you yes, know uh, that yeah. whole thing. Okay. Uh, D David's a very old, old and dear colleague. And the subject of suicide kept coming up mm -hmm. in the workshop. 
And I thought, that's very... And I started looking at statistics, and it was the second leading cause of death for teenagers in Canada. So I thought, we need to investigate this a little bit more. So that led to three years of workshops with young people, about 350, 400 kids, mm. in groups of about 20, 25 each. So many workshops, mm. not just in dance, but in arts, in other arts. Uh, form of research, it just sort of surfaced mm. what was going on. Why, why were these figures what they were, even if you factor out First Nations mm -hmm. numbers? And at the end of this period, we had all this wonderful uh, material. Uh, uh, we videotaped, we um, uh, took notes, we um, asked people to write about their experience. And I took all of that with a playwright and, uh, and a director, Jane Heyman and John Lazarus. Uh, John Lazarus is a writer, Jane is the um, director. And we, I actually went away and I made piles of index cards. When a subject came up or a perspective came up, I wrote it down and put, and the tallest piles made it into the show. So mm -hmm. we didn't invent anything. We just simply translated what mm -hmm. we had heard. And we created a show um, that was called Ice Beyond Cool. We had a youth advisory that met every month and got paid. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, worked, created a whole bunch of materials. Um, there was handouts for people, little pocket cards that they could have with emergency numbers. Uh, we did talkbacks that often lasted longer than the show itself. We performed in the central atria of malls at night after the malls closed and in one case in an arena. Uh, it was a very big show uh, with, 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 with flying and oh, yeah, and a, a young professional cast. Some of them having their first, like Allie Denham was her first job. No way. And That's Rachel awesome. Zottenberg mm -hmm. and uh, just young people, mm -hmm. uh, people, uh, actors, actors and dancers, actors coming from Studio mm -hmm. Fifty Eight. Mm -hmm. And so we created this show called Ice Beyond Cool. We performed it at Pacific Center Mall mm -hmm. at night. There used to be a great big atrium with a fountain. We covered the fountain, mm -hmm. and the opening scene had someone flying from about seven stories up down to the stage, and people were seated on the escalators wow. and on the in front of the stage, and people were lined up around the block. We played, I think, for three weeks, and we, and the talkbacks were, we had professional people doing them, and so then it went on tour, and then we created a television version of it, an hour long, that was broadcast on CBC, mm -hmm. without ads, and with dialogues before and after mm -hmm. with the public that Gloria Makarenko um, facilitated. And, in terms of and like we toured it twice. And why was it in the mall first? Because that, that setting worked better? Is that well, very interesting. At the end of the uh, a series of workshops, we wanted to get together with the people who'd been part of them. Uh -huh. Where would you like to meet? They said Pacific Center Mall. That's awesome. So, and those are the social centers, or they were the social centers at that time for people that age. Uh -huh. And so we thought, Let's do it here. Oh, and, and then the mall allowed you just. Oh well, gave we won't you go into that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had to fly into the mall and it was. Oh, 
because there was a lot of negotiation, mm -hmm. and, and mall culture is very different yes. from socially activist dance theater culture. So yeah. So when did you tour the piece after this? Uh, we, we took it across the country. Contacting every mall on the way. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, that's. Go reach there. Go reach in there. Which one? Uh, further down. Further down. Okay. Okay, just take the pile. Up. The whole pile. Up. Yeah. I'll show you. Okay, so. Thank you. This is this is the ice project. So, so where did we go? Ottawa, Winnipeg, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, Victoria, Kelowna, hmm. and then these are all our partners. These are all the people we collab. We worked with social service agencies, youth agencies across the country. So we did workshops in every town. So this is this was a six-year project. Uh, this one was five years, five and a half years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the ice project, and mm -hmm. then we used the same kind of template for fire. Mm -hmm. And we also uh, did I say we made a, tel a film version? Yes. Of, yeah. So where did that's fire? And could that be seen at all? Uh, that that's been archived, so that will be in your archive as well. Later, the be promos, online. the promos, and the shows are archived. Okay, so yeah. it'll be online again. So yeah. you can all yeah. see great. See, uh, so this was about uh, how young people experience violence in their lives, mm -hmm. all kinds of violence. The fire. Uh, yeah, and this is a multimedia production. This had three big screens, so we created special video for. So the first one was working with suicide, and the second one looking at violence. how, yeah, suicide, suicide as implosion, mm -hmm. yeah, and mm -hmm. the other end of it is explosion, mm -hmm. is violence. So, and it was our youth advisory that suggested that's the direction we should go. Mm -hmm. So everything from you know the usual subject of bullying mm -hmm. to domestic violence to all, all forms of violence that the, the youth themselves came up with mm -hmm. in the workshop. And, and how many youth were there as your committee? Uh, there were usually about eight or nine of them. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they'd come and we'd have pizza and <laughs> always always food. Yeah. And uh, they actually designed, they designed the poster, this poster. Um, and there was a little matchbook with a fire, with a little false. Anyway, they did all kinds of things. Um, and then that's Walter Kubinek. That's Walter. That's Walter. Wow. That's Walter. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't do it with Walter. Oh, you did? Uh, at the, at the dancing and the I age. just wrote to Walter today. That's right. We have to get Walter on this. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, Walter, would you want to do this? Oh, yeah, yes. Sure. Yes, you should get him to talk about his experience. Now he's relevant. <laughs> yes. Yeah, This yeah. is so exciting. So, and Allison and yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. 2001 when we, when we first produced, produced it. So yeah, there were about 400 youth in those workshops first, and the same process of, you know, making the piles and seeing what came up the most, and then trying to. But it wasn't the youth who took part in the workshops who actually did the performing. Right. Right. That is a different uh -huh. version of Art for Social Change Community Arts, uh -huh. and there's all kinds of versions of it. But I thought that if we had a professional, young professional cast, I'd be able to um, surface more in the production. Of course, of course. Um, and so That's then the third answer. one was called Earth Equals Home, and that was the one that ended up with the festival mm -hmm. that I just mm -hmm. described mm -hmm. at yes. Great Northern Way. And this was Oh, yeah, this, this work ended up uh, getting uh, becoming the, sort of the groundwork for the festival. 
for or the in, into the not, initial stage, stage of it? Or? No, it was first produced at the festival. I see. And then it went on the road again. Mm-hmm. So altogether... Here's the festival. This was the festival. That's it made very nicely. Was we had a children's series, we had a dialogue series, workshops. We had performers no. from all over the world. For people listening, this program's about a foot and a half long. <laughs> <laughs> it folds so, yeah. very nicely. Um, so, yeah. And this festival went on for how many years? Oh, it was just once, my goodness, yeah. Oh, it really killed us, yeah. <laughs> it was called the World, World, World Urban, Urban Festival. Festival. It took place during the World Urban Forum, which is an international gathering mm-hmm. that's hosted by the UN mm-hmm. on cities, mm-hmm. and it was here that that year. So mm-hmm. we managed to do some cross-marketing and uh, oh, yes. got a lot of people from the... Uh, from the uh, UN gathering, they would come down to the festival site at night mm-hmm. for for the open air shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those three projects uh, were they overlapping in a way, or is that kind of a fifteen year span of? That's about eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yeah, those three wow. projects. Yeah, yeah. Very rewarding work and very challenging too. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, this is really nice. It's really nice. Wow. And so... This is all online, by the way. You can, you can look at it. It's on the iCast website. Yeah. Uh, could you just repeat that for... Oh, okay. The, the well, I? by the time this goes public, we might have our new website I see. up. So Which is probably... Like, we can get it up probably in, in about a week. Oh, okay. The new website goes live, I think, the beginning of October. Beginning of October. But yeah. still, we meant really tell it to We can tell them, and then we can even put it later when it comes up. That we'll would be great. Okay. Podcast when they see it. Because right now we've got a um, a website for the research project that I'm doing, this mm-hmm. five year research project, um, and then another one for our um, the International Center of Art mm-hmm. for Social mm-hmm. Change and JMP Juice Marcus Projects, and it's all being amalgamated mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. to one site. So yeah. Amazing. And then here, what's this? No, that's just an article I wrote. And this is our center, but we're not talking about research, are we? This is this is the center that we've got here at SFU. And oh, and this is this is from the festival. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Earth one. Yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. So um, there's lots and lots of materials out of all of this work that will be publicly available. Hopefully, that's very nice to hear. Possible. Um, I'm wondering, what are some some obstacles that you feel, or some uh, how did you phrase it, Arsh? Like maybe some unexpected obstacles that you encountered in your career. Mm. Poverty. <laughs> never felt that I didn't have enough to eat, but I can remember periods where I would buy, this is in London, I would buy what they call greens, which are the tops of vegetables, Mm -hmm. and liver sausage, and I know I ate as well as I could on -hmm. on the money. My first paycheck was with the Grand Ballet was $66 a week. (laughs) <laughs> Thirty thousand miles in a bus of one night stands. I mean, I have lots of stories. <laughs> a lot, you know. We wow. we didn't have any. Uh, we had as a dancer. Uh, 
life was very hard. I know it's still very hard. Um, as a choreographer, I guess self-confidence is always a, a big challenge. Um, money is obviously to get the resources to do the work and have adequate rehearsal time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think doing really good work takes time, mm -hmm. and it's really important to get beyond the sketching point. Mm -hmm. You know, to get those first ideas out, and then to really look at them carefully and hone them, mm -hmm. and work them, uh, and that takes time and that takes resources. Mm -hmm. um, I've had the last moment of a piece I did in Lisbon changed, the last lift was changed after I left the theater, after I left the country, and dancers in the company wrote to me and said, the, the director, the artistic director, changed the last lift. <laughs> and, and, what was was the and, and what was the uh, barrier? And what was that? Oh, because it was always so set. Is that, is that uh, really? Yeah, well, I, I had set the piece, and it was in the uh, in the opera house there, and uh, for the National Ballet of yeah. Portugal, and uh, I didn't get to see the first performance because yeah. of my schedule. But you know, I had uh, Bev Aitchison came over and worked with me as well, and. Uh, yeah, I left, and they had their performance. It went very well, according to everything I heard. And then I got a postcard from the dancers <laughs> saying, we thought you should know that the very mind. last lift was changed mm -hmm. by the by the AD. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen very often. I've also, seen, I've also seen little pieces of my work in other people's work. But, you know, I, I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. um, like like a you mean a fee, like a, even a, like a, a phrasing or a, or a feeling or yeah well, a phrase you know yeah just suddenly appears looks very familiar that's fifteen seconds yeah but that doesn't happen doesn't um, uh, going from choreographing from for the stage mm -hmm. to the small screen mm -hmm. or for film or for television. Uh, they're they're very different media, mm -hmm. as you know, um, and so that's a whole new skill set that mm. has to be acquired. So that was really interesting, as I started doing more of that work. I did a lot of work in theater situations, musical theaters at Shaw and Stratford, and um, uh, roles and responsibilities when you're staging things. Um, unless they're really clarified, can be problematic if you're working as a choreographer with a director, for example, or a director yeah. of an opera. Yeah. Um, so you have to gain really good communication skills and really clarify what is expected and what might change during a rehearsal process, all of that, when you're working in other, you know, in service to other, mm -hmm. other uh, agendas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, such as an opera or, or mm -hmm. theater, musical theater, um, barriers. I think most of the barriers, aside from just survival, economic survival, were um, self-confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, just 
having having good people around me. I was very lucky. I had some good people whom I could trust to tell me what they really thought of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think some of us are very Canadian and we don't we're not candid. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a way of giving helpful perspective, helpful criticism. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to learn that if you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always had people around me who could tell me that what I did was crap Mm -hmm. or that this section just doesn't work or or it's too thick or it's Mm -hmm. whatever and and, you know I know some people work with dramaturgists in terms of narrative Um, but I think it's really important to have people around you who can really let you know what they think even if you don't agree with them Mm because we all see things through, di- through different lenses yeah. uh, and you may be going for something that that other person doesn't understand or doesn't mm-hmm. think is important or whatever mm-hmm. but um, I think we need to develop a way in this country to talk about our work mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think we've done that as well as we can which mm-hmm. I think leads us to the next question very well um, what's advice that you would give to I guess our generation or the coming generations in dance just keep working. Just work it. Work your buns off. <laughs> you know, it, this is hard. Yeah, this yeah. is hard work. This is really hard work. And don't be satisfied. I mean, it's good to fall in love with your work for a bit. <laughs> Just for a little bit. <laughs> Just for a bit. Give yourself a little bit of a, you know, a long lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but ask for feedback. And educate yourself Mm -hmm. not just about dance but about all art forms about art in general because that world I mean it's just there everything feeds in you know how when you're in a role creatively everything has relevance for you Mm -hmm. or I don't know if that happens to you oh right you know he turned his head that way in the the coffee shop I can can use that Um, I think it's the same thing if you're really uh, hungry mm-hmm. for information, for uh, experience of other art forms, and I think the more you can uh, imbibe, the more you can, you know, I, th- I think the more porous you are, the more you can take in. Soak in that information. Soak it yeah. in, yeah, exactly. Um, the richer you'll be for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a in a situation which we have in BC right now, is this BC blog? So uh, far, so far, yeah. Okay. We're hoping to get to the rest of Canada okay. at some point. But that so, be you know, here in BC, we have one of the lowest per capita uh, rates of support for the arts mm-hmm. in the country. It's been that way forever, um, and it's really below <laughs> the median. Um, there's two things that can happen. You can either collaborate with other people as a creator, go out on your own, but work with other people in your community, or what I call crabs in a barrel. You know how crabs just step on top of each other to get out if they're trying to escape. And I think uh, we have two choices. 
in, in a situation of, um, of need. Either we collaborate with each other and support each other, or we compete. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not naive saying that there isn't needs to be, there, that doesn't need to be competition. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the more we can be with each other and mm-hmm. support each other, you know, even if you don't like someone's work, you can still support them mm-hmm. yeah. as an artist. And I think we have sometimes we fall a little short of that. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Because we all know how hard it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in this generation to the where you go, like you see friends and you go to school and then you get out and you do choreographies and you have conversations. But the more you support each other and ask what that's about and try to, you know, tell them what you saw and how, and like, as you said, the positive feedback or the helpful. Helpful. And, you know, the, the kind of feedback I give is not what I think about something. Mm-hmm. It's asking questions about the work so that it might help the creator think in a different way or in another way mm-hmm. or in a uh, an enlarged way about mm-hmm. what they've done. Yes. Um, so it's not thumbs up, thumbs down, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is how we often operate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't like the piece. What does that say? Does mm-hmm. it say anything? You can learn more from a bad piece than you can from a good piece, mm-hmm. too, as a creator. Yeah. Why didn't it work for yes. you? What was it about it that didn't capture your heart or your mind? Um, what were the kinetic, the emotional, the psychological, the production values that made you not like it? <laughs> yes. Or made you love it? Yes, you know. That's a good question. So, you know, dismissal is not useful. No, never is. Yeah, as you know. I mean, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, the next one I'll go into the the question of if there was one artist left in the world, who would you choose that to be? Oh my God. Who would it be? Oh gosh, I can't. I can't. It's hard. I can't answer that. One artist in the whole world. You can say Arash. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Arash. (laughs) You you would have a favorite, uh, or do do, do you have someone like maybe a favorite? um, Um. Dance artist that uh, you, you would want us maybe to look up or uh, uh, in, that you admire? Uh, lots. Um, you know who comes to mind is Robert Lepage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I've seen his work since the very early days, mm-hmm. and virtually every time his works are not always you know hugely successful as some of them are. Um, but I, I just have such respect for his um, doggedness. Mm-hmm. For you know, he's always pushing, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a humanity about his work that I just, it just floods me with uh, with warmth and a sense of possibility. Because yes. um, it's both recently very technical. 
you know, high production values. Elevators. Mm-hmm. Pardon? Elevators. <laughs> and then this guy turned last time, it was one of the pieces, I think it was a dragon one, the blue dragon, I think, I remember. Yeah. Um, but they're very human. Yes. And uh, some, some, some work that has a huge amount of technology in it uh, begins to alienate me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very, yeah. it's very nice. I don't want to see people. <laughs> I want to see people up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I want to see sweat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't answer that question, no, but I just I can't. <laughs> it's not, it's not within my capacity. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying you should ask that. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to pick one superpower, what superpower would you choose? To fly. To fly. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Easy one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have one for a while. Yeah. So we have this tradition of playing um, a game that I started uh, watching on TV when I was growing up. Uh-huh. It was a, there was a TV program. It was called The Hot Seat. Okay. And they would bring in uh, an artist usually uh, onto that hot seat. Okay. And they would ask him, at the very end, they would ask him a really quick 20 questions. Okay. And they would just—it's basically. I think it's the equivalent is the either or game here. So it basically, which is like okay. it's either this one or this one. And okay. so, uh, I was wondering if you want to play. Sure. You some sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, all right. So we're gonna play the either or game. All right. Oh, another piece of advice. Yes. Gratuitous advice. Travel. Oh, Just nice. get to see the world. Mm-hmm. Travel as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And go see the art in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's nothing better than to be a stranger in a strange land. Totally, totally. And it's just it feeds so many aspects of, of one's own development mm-hmm. as, as a creator. Yeah. I think, right. and I'm still working all over the place uh, because I have this lust for experiencing other people's reality mm-hmm. or getting a taste you can't get the real adi- reality but you can have an experience mm-hmm. yeah that touches on that yeah yeah anyway and 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 it does go along the same lines you were saying the soaking in what is there and and I think that you know going to shows actually shows are and, and we can really learn so much about it. Like, and, yeah. and living in the world, mm-hmm. paying attention to where you are. Mm-hmm. Getting out of the dance studio. Getting out of the studio. <laughs> yeah. Drawing yeah, yourself or writing some poetry or, or, you know, just developing your acuity, your, 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 your permeability, mm-hmm. your, your yes. you know, so that you can really take things in and then send them out mm-hmm. yeah. in a yeah. way that's, that's a circle. It's a circular yeah. kind of process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Get out of the studio. You said that so, so well. That's very nice. And as yeah. Jay was saying, he went to FDI. I remember when he came back. Five shows in <gasps> sixty days. Oh my god, that's a lot. And he was he didn't even talk. <laughs> my visa doesn't like him anymore though. Uh, but but I would, I remember him coming back. He was so inspired. Well, of uh, course. I, all right, the either or game. Okay. Please respond as quickly as possible. All right. Fishes or birds. Birds. Trees or streetlights? Trees. Wine or beer? Wine. Lakes or oceans? Lakes. Feet or hands? Hmm. Hands. Raisins or chocolate? Chocolate. Dice or cards? Cards. Candles or lamps? Candles. Black or white? Black. 
Sugar or honey? Honey. Socks or sweaters? Socks. Soap or gloves? Soap. Clouds or sky? Hmm. Clouds. Crocodiles or snails? Crocodiles. Bikes or boats? Boats. Gates or doors? Gates. Dirt or asphalt? Dirt. Wood or marley? Wood. Sunset or sunrise? Sunrise. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with myself. Anyways, unless you have anything you'd like to add for the end. No, I've just blathered on. No, that was good. Thank you very much. Learned a lot. Really? Yeah. Well, good. Doing this podcast is opening my eyes every day. That's great. Yeah, thank you uh, for your uh, generous time and, uh, and for ha- having me. It's a pleasure. Office. Thank you. I really, um, I'm delighted to meet you guys. And, thank, uh, you. thank you. I have, I have, uh, I'm really interested to see your work now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Have yeah. a great rest of your day. And thank we'll see you, you next time. See you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Last Hour with Judith Marcuse. Um, uh, we would just like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that these lands have never been relinquished or handed over in any way. And uh, it is in, on this land that we live, work, play, and make podcasts. And make podcasts. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, Remember to subscribe and write reviews and like and share and all that good stuff. Yes, please subscribe and please feel free to comment on iTunes as well. Actually, somebody could just leave one comment because we actually don't know if anybody's listening. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Very good point. Just say hello. That'd be very nice. How about not a time machine? (laughs) (laughs) How about we shut down the time machine? All right. Should we introduce our next guest here? Who's our next guest? Our next guest. Okay, go ahead and introduce our next guest. Okay, I won't say it. No, No, I won't say it. it. Let's leave it. Leave it in suspense. Yes. We're like Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Well, I think that's all for today. Yes. See you later, folks. Thank you very much. See you next time. See you in about, what, a week and a half? Two weeks. See you in two weeks. Goodbye.